Mueller and Moats are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. What's going on, Steelers Nation Radio? It's high noon on a Wednesday afternoon. That can only mean one thing. It's time to go inside the electric factory. He's Arthur Motes, the nine-year NFL vet. I'm Wesley Euler, the pond hockey legend. Here we go. (laughs) And this is our 120 minutes to talk that talk that we call Steelers Blitz here on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. Arthur Motes been a heavy week for a lot of different reasons a lot of different reasons so i figured you and i today could start with something a little more sunshine and rainbow e mm, is that how you speak on my language is Let's that, do it. is that i mean is that is that a proper did i just use proper grammar and language there like, listen man on snr we say whatever we want to say sunshine and <laughs> sunshine and rainbowy uh not too i'll allow it I, I gotta say this too not to minimize the real stuff that's going on right now oh, absolutely but arthur Motes and i have discussed that it, it, we could sit here for the next two hours and repeat the same things that we've discussed already well, but you know how we feel about everything going on and i'll say this also man i think it's important that we've addressed that and it's never gonna go away well not in the near future but at the same time sometimes you need an outlet from that. And I know people, yep. they're tuning in right now because they need that outlet. I mean, right now, you turn on CNN, you turn on anything in America that is media-related, and you're getting the same content, the same gory images. And I'm not saying you should turn a blind eye to it, not at all. But at the same time, no different than when we were all quarantined. We said, man, sometimes you need to just get away. You need a break from it. This is your chance to get a break. That's what we're going to present to you today, man. And I think that, you know, the people will definitely appreciate that because outside of these two hours, <laughs> man, I see you got 22 more hours of, of anything you need that's relating to the, the social justice stuff and things along that nature, man. Well said, Arthur Motes. So here's where we start. Something fun that you and I have wanted to talk about all week. But again, yes. with the kind of the priorities of I mean, because when it happened. Pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, this this is just a pretty— But it also happened right in the smack middle of right. everything. It, this is a pretty cool story that—, that also has a, a Pittsburgh Steelers oh, angle as well, man. too. Uh, Josh Dobbs, that's a name that we all remember. Former My draft guy. Pick, former draft pick of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Fifth-round pick, right, out of uh, the University of Tennessee, the Volunteers. Josh Dobbs now with the Jaguars. Yes, Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, hey, look, he hasn't been able to uh, work out with his team in person this offseason, but Dobbs has found a way to keep busy beyond uh, – any Zoom meetings that he might be oh, yes. having with the Jacksonville Jaguars organization. Josh Dobbs has been interning at NASA. And this was something he was involved in, I think, during his time with yes, the Steelers he, as well, He's done too. it multiple times. Absolutely. He's a – the term is aerospace engineer. Yes. Right? That's what he majored in at Tennessee. Aerospace engineer and in layman's terms a rocket scientist. Rocket – right. Yeah. 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 And ha, take that, everybody who thinks athletes just ma- take the easiest majors in college. That's, that's my God. I'm proud <laughs> of that boy. I'm proud of him, man. I'm proud of him. This dude was a quarterback in an SEC school and had arguably one of the most difficult majors you could have. At Tennessee. <laughs> at Tennessee. And was still yeah. balling. It wasn't like he was a scrub. It was balling. was still out there balling. Uh, Dobbs has been interning at NASA. He was there this past Saturday uh, for the launch of the NASA SpaceX rocket that took a pair of uh, astronauts to the International Space Station. Dobbs spoke about this week, uh, spoke about it this week to Peter King. He said, I really felt the nervousness watching the countdown. 
knowing what those astronauts have gone through to get to this moment. Being able to see the teamwork involved in preparation for this launch was incredible for me. It's so much like a football team. You see how everyone doing their job fits together and makes something great happen. That's what I really appreciated about this experience. Aerospace engineering was the mm-hmm. exact name of his major uh, at the University of Tennessee. That's just Arthur. We, there's a lot we could talk about here, but man, I, I feel like all of us, when we watched that on Saturday, all of us thought, this is just so cool. And for Dobbs to be hands-on involved in that, that's awesome, man. I mean, that is a unique – that's probably right. A less percentage of Americans know what that's like than what it's like to be a professional athlete. Mm, absolutely, w- man. Which is crazy. Absolutely. I mean, when I tell you, man, I'm, I'm very proud of Dobbs, man. Just being able to see that young man, obviously spending our time together here in Pittsburgh when he came in as a rookie and stuff, and just seeing how he's continued to push himself both on and off the field. I mean, because it's so easy – to make it to this level, the pinnacle of sports, and just kind of become complacent with everything else in your life. But for him, when he was doing these internships at NASA, you're just like, bro, this is out of control. Like, <laughs> And I would laugh at myself because I thought I did something when I went and got my master's. I'm like, oh, yeah, I got a master's. And this dude's like, yeah, I interned at NASA. Like, oh, I'll just take my master's and throw it away. Don't worry about that. I didn't say anything. But, man, he's one of the suit, like, just a genuinely good guy. And I think that it's important – that he continues on in this in this department. I think it's important that he continues to let people know about it too. And the NFL and NASA both did a really good job promoting his work, his his internship, because it lets people know that, hey, you can still be an athlete, a great athlete, but still pursue your dreams. Absolutely. He's always talked about how he wanted to be an astronaut, how, you know, just as a kid watching planes take off from the airport was huge to him and how he was fascinated with how it worked. So he pursued that. I think it's important to understand that, hey, you can you can be passionate about multiple things and understand that, yeah, it's going to be hard work, of course. Yes, it's going to be some, some challenges associated with that, but that doesn't mean that you don't do it. That doesn't mean that you don't try it. And for him to go out here and still be pursuing his dreams of that, I think that it's, it's a beautiful sight to see. And, I mean, it was just crazy when, you know, he has the whole anticipation when he was talking about it's like a football game. Yeah. Wednesday was supposed to be when it was going to take off, but right. because of weather – they had to stop. Pushed it and, back to Saturday. And it, and it really hit me just how dangerous this is. I said, this isn't like, oh, it's a football game or it's a baseball game. They got rained out. We just played another day. Like, no, 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 no. This, these guys, it's like it was a death. life and death man. We, and we've seen, yeah. <laughs> I mean, depending on how old you are, you've mm-hmm. seen a non-successful takeoff where people did pass away. Yeah. Apollo 9? Was it Apollo no, 9? No, I thought it was 11, maybe. I thought Apollo 11 was the successful that was sing- moon trip it might be the with other Neil one Armstrong. Right. Apollo 13 is obviously the one that the movie was made about. Correct. I think it might have been Apollo 9, but regardless, I think yes, everyone knows but, what But we're people have about. seen that, regardless of how old you are, whether you've Googled it, or whether you're allowed to witness it happen in, in real time. So understanding that, that significance, it really hit home. But it's just crazy, man, to just see him still pursuing that goal still being actively involved. I mean, like, dude, you're at the pinnacle of two things. When we're talking NFL is the best of the best with football, right? The cream of the crop. Then when you talk about NASA, like, man, we think about we're talking NASA here, bro. Right. NASA. That that is like the cream of the crop. I mean, hey, you can fly on your little airplanes. We're talking about going into space here, buddy. It's crazy. It's, it's totally different. It's crazy. It's totally different. Hey, hey, United, American Airlines, that's kind of like your NCAA. You know what I mean? They're college. It's cool. It's nice. I mean, it's still the best of the best. It's elite. 
But then you got another level with Ness, and now you're just like, oh, okay, so you're showing off now. You you have to be the 1% to even get in that realm. And my man, you know, Josh Dobbs is doing that, man, so I'm definitely proud of him, and I'm just glad to say that, you know, good friend and a former teammate, man. The fact that he was a part of Steeler Nation, the fact that he was a part of the Steelers organization, just once again just shows that Mr. Rooney, Kevin Colbert, Mike Tomlin, they, they bring in great guys, mm-hmm. both on and off the field. And he's a prime example of that, man. So, yeah, I'm definitely proud of him. Yeah, I think – I love this for a lot of reasons, right? A lot of the stuff that you just alluded to, the the pigeonholing sometimes that happens to athletes, you know, of, of what they can do or what else they should do or could do with their careers, right? I, I think it's awesome to see guys like Josh Dobbs not be satisfied with, with, you know, with their accomplishments in athletics, that they have passions outside of that as well, too. And <laughs> – just to, again, I can't get over what it must have been like to been there, to be there, and kind of you know have hands-on involvement for this is the first time in nine years yeah, the United man. States has big, launched a space shuttle. Deal. This was, I think, I could be wrong on this. And again, with any of this stuff, if we've got listeners out there who, if we're missing certain details and you know them, feel free to tweet us. Absolutely, it's not our first rodeo. Um, I believe this was the first uh, NASA and SpaceX launch. Like yes. in in teamwork with Correct. you know with Elon Musk company and space SpaceX working with the NASA with the government the the, the United States uh, side shout, of things. Shout out to the media for this one. This was the most cost efficient one too. Really, we're not worried about the private money, but from a government standpoint, <laughs> this is the most. That's how they promoted it. They said this is the most cost efficient that we've been <laughs> in terms of a space launch. And then people obviously were like, well, what about the private funding that y'all received? Don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. From a government standpoint, we saved money. So let's roll with that. I we like saved, it. Hey, <laughs> you saving my tax money? That's fine. Hey, that's I, all that matters. I'll take it. I, I, I enjoyed it that much more. I wonder, too, like, I would I, – I wish, you know, I was looking at a lot of the – because Josh Jobs has been interviewed now by NBC Sports and by ESPN about this, a couple other outlets. Nobody asked him what's more nerve-wracking or what was a more anxious mm. time, like, like being in the tunnel waiting to run out onto the field or yeah. – waiting for all this to go down, right? Because, like you mentioned, on Wednesday, they had those astronauts in the shuttle. They were ready to go. For like three, four hours. Yes. Before they called it off. So imagine sitting there thinking, like, I'm about to go to space. We're about to do this. Like, all the anxiety that comes with that for three, four hours, and then you got to wait until Saturday. And then Saturday comes along, and you're strapped into that shuttle, and you're waiting for hours for the final, we're going to go right here. Like, I wonder, I would have liked somebody to ask Dobbs to just compare the, the tenseness, the anxiety of those two, like, Playing in front of ninety thousand people Absolutely. at an SEC game, you know, versus like getting ready for a launch like that—that that is, as you said, literally a life and death. It's, it's just so cool. Like, because I mean, when you think I'd about love it, in to theory, pick his brain about this. Just think about the theory of a, a, a space shuttle. They're they're strapping rockets <laughs> to you, putting you in a seatbelt, and saying we're going to shoot you as high as we can in here. Like, just just think about that. It's like I've seen Wiley Coyote versus the Rover. I've seen how this works. Is this Looney Tunes? I've seen it. A lot of times it doesn't end up well for the for the Coyote, okay? I've seen this, though. So the fact that they're doing this in real life is just like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute here. But, hey, it was successful. That's all that matters, man, so I loved it. It, it really was. And my dog Dobbs is a part of it, man, so major shout-out to him for that, man. No, keep, all- keep excelling at life, man. Keep being that that just beacon of hope for people, man, to let them know that regardless of wherever you're at in your life, regardless of your career field in life, if there's something that you're truly passionate about, man, don't be afraid to go get it. Don't be afraid to go chase after it, man. Just go do it. I love it. I love it. We we had to start that way today, right? Yeah, I, 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 think, need, I needed that, man. I think that was a good place to start. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler. You already know the drill. You want to chime in on Twitter at Wesley Euler at the Body Fifty Two. The Body.
Motsi, we're going to take our first break here. When we come back, we have some significant news within the sports community. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty significant announcement coming here from the NBA in regard to return to sports. We'll talk about that as well as some things that Adam Schefter said yesterday about NFL training camps. Look at us. We're getting all sportsy, Motsi. I love it. I'm so excited. Well, Rockets and sports. They kind of go hand in hand because we had Dobbs. Dobbs is like the buffer. And, and then the Houston Rockets. I mean, what are, we, what are we talking about here? Exactly. <laughs> Stick with us. we got some fun stuff planned for the next hour and 45 minutes inside the Electric Factory. This is Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Steelers Blitz on a Wednesday. Spent the opening segment there talking about Josh Dobbs and his involvement with SpaceX and NASA and just some really cool stuff he has going on. Joseph makes a great point here on Twitter. He says, how about Myron Roll and all the work he's done with battling this coronavirus as a doctor? It's awesome to see athletes doing giant things. Uh, yeah, great call, Joseph. I'm glad, I'm glad you brought uh, Myron, Myron, Myron Roll, Roll hey, into hey, this. Hey, what draft class was he part of? 2010? <sighs> Just throwing it out there. Rhodes Scholar from Florida State. Yeah, if you want to look up a cool story and you don't know about Myron Roll, just Google his name. Uh, and a great, great point by Joseph. Uh, bringing that to our attention too, man. Yeah, it's it's awesome to see athletes doing giant things, uh, not just on the football field or the baseball diamond or the basketball court or the the ice hockey rink uh, outside of that in their communities in the world as well too. Uh, speaking of basketball courts, Arthur Motes, I could play. I could hoop. I can. Nah, mm, kinda. You don't got that. Kinda. White man can't jump. You kind of like the Steve Nashta with the hair. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I was going to say, listen, I can, I can play defense and occasionally oh, man. occasionally I can get into the rhythm and knock down some open jumpers. That I mean, that's you said I can play defense. That's about, <laughs> that's about it. That's about, I'm like the I'm like the defensive specialist. I'm like the Tony Allen out no, here. I, I used know? to always laugh anytime. You know, me and, me and my teammates, whether it was college or in the NFL, would talk about basketball. The guy would be like, yeah, I'm great with defense. I'm, great rebounding. Defense. I'm like, oh, no, you suck. You suck. <laughs> Yeah, basically, that's what I'm trying to say is that I suck. I do. I suck at basketball. I mean, I got I got dozens of my buddies that we could call up right now that would vouch for that and tell you stories of us on the basketball courts and my <laughs> my tales of unathleticism on that's the basketball funny, court. Um, it's funny. Uh, Brian Backo, our good friend on this yeah, show. The Brian Backo, uh, Batman. Him and Jeremy Fowler. You know, Jeremy mm-hmm. is now like a Jeremy's national. Big time yeah, now, he's man. like the national guy for e- football guy for ESPN now. But you know, he's a he was a, a yinzer for a while here too, and would be out at training camps covering the Steelers. Well, starting last year at training camp, Motsi, Backo and Jeremy Fowler were organizing basketball games. What? Yeah, like every <laughs> like every four or five days at training camp, right? Like mm-hmm. members of the media, like they would organize members of the media. Um, you know, some of the Steelers. Younger, like, PR staff, like, like yeah, like yeah, st- yeah. like staff members and people who aren't like full time, full blown coaches. Um, so was Bert out there? I, I, I mean, <laughs> I would love to see Bert on the court. I probably would have dunked on Bert. Oh, I'm telling, <laughs> I'm 
I'm gonna t- I'm gonna clip that sound. I'm gonna send it to Bert so he knows what you're talking that talk. Bert, about. every time you want to make my message politically correct, listen, Bert's a Bert, take this. Bert's a Bert's a Mars Bert's a Mars guy. Okay, so you come at, you come at one Mars guy, you come at all of us. He actually Uh-oh. he lives right down the street from me. I don't know Seriously? if you knew that. Like I a did mile, not know like that. a mile down the street. That lets me know how, how big your house is, man, because I know Bert's paid. So so if he grew up, you know, hooping on the same courts that I'm hooping on. Uh, he's probably not very good. Yeah, that's a fair, that's an astute <laughs> observation by you. Um, but yeah, Backo and Jeremy Fowler were organizing, you know, basketball scrimmage games at trade, and I think they even invited, you know, some of the St. Vincent people, mm-hmm. you know, some of the students and volunteers from the college that were there, and they tried to get me to play like two or three times, and I was like, guys, like, I've seen you guys hoop. It's like a serious thing that you really want to get out there and play. Like you don't you don't want me hooping with you. All right. If you guys are organizing, I'm a mess your game all the way. If you guys are organizing some pickup hockey, uh, you you let me know. I'm in. If you guys want to go golf or something, let me know. I'm in. But other than that, eh, I'm just gonna bring you down. Uh, But Adrian Wojnarowski, of course, Woj, the uh, the voice on all things National Basketball Association. Yeah, he's like the Adam Schefter of the NBA. Correct. He just dropped the Woj bomb right before we went on air, Motsi. The NBA will be inviting 22 teams to Orlando for a playoff-style competition. 13 Western Conference teams, 9 Eastern Conference teams based off of records. Record playoff standings, like where they were prior to the uh, COVID-19 situation beginning. The teams will play 8 games, 8 regular season, if you want to call them games, Mm -hmm. to determine seeding. And then they will have, you know, a, a normal playoff-style, what we think bracket-style, you know, best-of-series type elimination. Okay. This would start July 31st. Take so what, two months then? Well, no, no. Well, yeah, essentially. Like, uh, my, yeah, yeah, about two little, months. Little, almost two months. You factor this month, and then it's the end of July. So right, yeah. right. So it's it's almost, it's what? You'd, I mean, you'd have seven, eight weeks here. Essentially, yeah. Um, And that it would, it would run from July 31st till about the second week in October. Uh, The NBA will vote on this to ratify Jeez, tomorrow. To October. But Woods tweets, the NBA is back. I like it, but man. Till October. How does that affect the next season? Well, that's the question, obviously, right? Sheesh. And I think the same thing's <laughs> going to happen to the NHL. Absolutely. Um, I'm sure MLB, MLB, maybe not as much because you obviously have like the spring training element of it. Yes. But man, that's that's different. It's it's going to be weird to see what they do from there. Now, Moats, you ready for this? I I've said this for a few years now that I think the NBA should start their season on Christmas Day. And play through right up until the NFL season starts because the NBA. Now let's be. I'll be honest with you here. Mozi. You're not respecting baseball, man. I'm Come not, on, man. I'm not a big baseball Come on. guy. All right, I will admit. I will admit with a grain of salt that I'm not a big baseball guy. But also, if you look at the ratings and look at the numbers, people watch more basketball than they watch baseball in this country. Men lie, women lie. Numbers don't. But I thought I thought baseball is America's like. Favorite pastime or something Pastime. Like Keyword pastime. Yeah. I, I think, Arthur Motes, that the NBA should open up their season on Christmas Day. They already mm-hmm. dominate Christmas Day in terms of the sports calendar. Unless the Steelers are playing. Unless it's on a Sunday. Open up the season on Christmas Day and play till the end of August. Could you imagine how the NBA would dominate ratings in July and August? It wouldn't even be close, but it you wouldn't know even not going to allow that. The MLB would lose their mind. What are they going to do about it? I'm just saying. The, NBA, what, the MLB would they, lose their mind. What are they going to do about it? You know who would like They're that? They're the probably. only league, Major League Baseball, that gets two months where they compete yeah. with nobody else. I was gonna say NHL would probably enjoy it because they know for the first what uh, was it November? What, what season starts? What October? October early October. Yeah, usually. so yeah, you think October, November, they're gonna dominate it, so they would love it. I, it's it's gonna be very interesting to see how this works. But, it but appears... then what about the purists that love MLB playoffs, the World Series? 
Well, you could still ha- those things happen during football season now. No, it's different though. <laughs> it's different though. It's different. So it looks like Arthur Moach, July thirty first. The NBA is back. We already know that the NHL has said that they are going to try and get going by July as well, too. Mm-hmm. We're, get, we're getting there. Uh, we're bringing the good news here in the yeah, first hour of the program, Moats. Slowly but surely. Hey, listen, I don't even care if I can go to the game. Just let me be able to put a little juice on it. <laughs> Scratch that itch a little bit. <laughs> hey, for gambling problem, call 1-800-BET. <laughs> listen, if you're gonna do it right, all right, gambling problem, call one eight hundred Gambler. All right, it's same difference. Or just listen to Arthur Moats' advice more. No, no, see, see, I said one eight hundred bet because yeah, if you got a problem, call me one eight hundred bet, and I'm gonna get you in even more. It's only a problem when you're losing. It's not a problem when you win it, baby. It's like Michael Jordan said, right? Hey, I got you. Trust Gambling's me. only a problem if it's financially affecting yeah. your, you, you and your family's well being. <laughs> Chiseled out on my tombstone. Mm-hmm. Um, with the NBA. Late July, they're back. NHL has, hasn't given a, a concrete statement like this, but late July, early August, they want to be playing Stanley Cup playoffs. This all comes with the announcement to yesterday, Arthur Motes, uh, by Adam Schefter. Uh, and again, this isn't an official league announcement. This is Correct. sources, but this is according to Adam Schefter. He's, he's about as tapped in as you can be. Uh, NFL players are, one, not expected to return to team facilities in an official capacity until training camp. And that, two, uh, teams are being told that training camps have to be held at their main practice facilities. Interesting. Is it, is it maybe still, and I know this sounds crazy, but is it maybe still a little too jumping the gun to determine that now when you could still wait another month or so to make those decisions? Or is it everything is such a process you kind of have to decide this stuff now? So here in Pittsburgh, I think we take for granted how simple it is to just, oh, we're going to go to St. Vincent because they already have that relationship. It's been going on for over 50 years. It's simple in terms of they know this time of year, this is how we operate. Whereas, and they've got the people that are experienced correct. to make that switch. And, and Whereas all the- in Green Bay, for example, they have all their players go to hotels. Mm-hmm. That's a different conversation in terms of, hey, we need to know this in advance. We need to prep. We need to book. We need to have all that squared away for you, the transportation element associated with it. So it's less about the the, the teams that have longstanding relationship with universities. Like I said, in Buffalo, we always went to St. John Fisher. They're doing it for over 30 years. It's, it's, it, it just is what it is. The second age. So they know, okay, during this time, there is no debate. This is what we do. But for the teams that – flip-flop whether they're going to have it at hotels or have it at their facilities. In Arizona, they use uh, – it's a really big hotel in Glendale. Uh, I think it's called like Westgate or whatever. And literally, they have to book up all that, but they recently started doing that. Hmm. So it's not a guarantee There's that te- – teams like the Saints and the Texans that switch their location every yeah, year. Yeah, I mean, shoot, one year the Saints were doing it in West Virginia. Greenbrier. Yeah, and then another the year they're down. And, so it just depends. The Cowboys, obviously, they go to a, a hotel situation out in um, – Oh yeah, in California. Right. Yeah, absolutely. they're right. The Cowboys go to California. Yeah. Yeah. So so every team does it differently. So I don't want to say it's jumping the gun in that regard because you want to have these guys have time to plan. No different than when the season when the, the schedule first came out. The teams don't wait till the week of or the week before to book the hotels and book the flights. They've booked all that stuff now. They're getting those hotels situated now. They're getting the catering booked now because it's too much money involved. It's too big of an operation to wait to the last minute. So by them telling uh, the NFL teams now that, hey, training camp, if it, I mean, it, we're planning for it to happen, but it has to be at your facilities, they're doing it so now everybody can make plans accordingly. 
because it's also a difference too when we're talking about the facilities hosting training camp because number one the amount of bodies that are associated with that remember sure. training camp you're looking at 90 players not your 53 so that's a totally and different that's 90 amount players correct so from a locker room standpoint just to give you context in Pittsburgh we never our locker room wasn't big enough for 90 people we only have I think it was like 60 or 60 65 actual lockers so we would have the rolling like removable lockers on one side which would hold probably another 20 and then we would have chairs it would look like musical chairs on the other side of the locker room where you would see guys with, just like I said, a chair back-to-back. It would probably be another 20 of them over there, 20 to 30 chairs, and the guys just sit there, and with that's how they get dressed. bags at their feet. And, and that's it because <laughs> yeah. the locker rooms aren't big enough for 90 players. So those are the differences. Whereas in training camp, like when we go to St. John, I mean, when we go to St. Vincent's, it, the, they had so many locker rooms there they that everybody there had have, a yeah. locker room. Everybody yep. had a shower stall. Everybody had – you know, somewhere to, to put their belongings and get dressed. The the showers at the facility, it's not enough showers for 90 people there. So these are all the things that the teams have to say, okay, well, how can we plan? How can we make the accommodations to, to last that long with that many players there? And then also for the, for the teams like the Steelers, like the Bills, like these other teams that actually go somewhere for training camp. Well, it's easy to find the housing when you know we're going to St. Vincent College. Whereas now, they're going to have to say, okay, which hotel are we using? Are we using this hotel to, to, to have all the players? Are we using this hotel and that hotel? Because not everybody that comes in training camp has an apartment. I mean, first off, it's not smart to get an apartment or a house if, you, if you're a bubble guy. <laughs> That's not how it operates, especially when the NFL – I mean, the team is obligated to uh, take care of your, your housing when you first get here. So they have to figure out which hotels are we going to use. Okay, what's the transportation to and from the hotels? What's the food situation? Because there, it's mandatory that they provide you with X amount of meals right. during this time. So these are all the things that the organizations have to get worked out, have to figure out. So I don't think it's, it's early. I think that it's, it's good time because it's going to give each and every organization because they all have unique situations in terms of how they operate through training camp. This is going to give everybody opportunity, though, to get that squared away and figure out how they want to go and operate through that. Man, it's going to if it all if it all happens like we kind of think it will. It's going to stink having having no Latrobe this summer. I mean, hey, that's ma- such which a- you know what? Maybe maybe Mr. Rooney and the Steelers will open up the Steelers uh facility for the fans. Would you stop it? I don't want that, all right? I want the cafeteria to myself. You know how crazy <laughs> That would be if they had open practices on the south side. Oh where were, my gosh, Mugs. First of all, where are you parking? I was just where, where, where are you going to park? I was just gonna say to quote the it's, to it's, quote the famous comedian Sebastian Maniscalco, "Where are all these people gonna park?" I mean, it's hard enough for us to find parking down there. <laughs> yeah, it's hard you know, enough. We've got to huff it sometimes. You know how many times I done illegally parked? <laughs> And I'm telling you, hey, 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 Mac, Mac, you know it's me. That's my car parked <laughs> on the curve halfway on the street, halfway on the sidewalk. That's me. Don't tow mine. Tow the car that's in front of me that's parked illegally as well. <laughs> I Look, I, because I was talking about this with, with wifey yesterday, how I don't think I'm going to be in Latrobe for three weeks this summer. She was probably happy, or maybe she wasn't. 
she like she sees both sides of it. She knows that for me, it's a lot of fun because I go there and it's you know it's a great kind of networking time. M- must be nice. It's a it's what you stop. Must be nice to, it's for a, it to be can, a lot of fun. You can be out there and you can focus on football, right? And you can really learn about the new players and the new coaches and mm-hmm. and all the new stuff with the team, the things that have changed sleep from year on a to new year. Little bit. Yeah. So there's a lot of the, and and listen, you know this. Our listeners know this. If you've listened to Matt and Dale, they talk about this all the time. It's it's fun to be a media member at nighttime in Latrobe during training camp. All right, oh, we'll see, just leave I, it at that. I, I wouldn't know that because we'll I've just, never been invited. We'll just leave it. Would you stop it? I've to- never been. Just so the, just so the not the that I want to be invited. I said I want to so be invited. The audience knows this because I've told this to Arthur Motes before, but I need to state this publicly. When they put me up at St. Vincent in Latrobe for training camp, they put me in a room with two beds. Mm-hmm. All right, so I've told Arthur Motes anytime he wants to sleep over. See, see the way my training camp situation is set up. <laughs> It ain't happening, baby. But it's a lot of fun. Look, there's 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 bonfires at night. There's local watering holes that we all patron and and go out and have some you, dinner you, and some fun. First off, I hate to have to cut you off. It just baffles you love me to cut me off. It just baffles me how different our perspectives of training camp. You're like, <laughs> oh man, it's just so fun. You got bonfires and watering holes, and this is a great place to be. And in my mind, I'm like. Where you know how miserable <laughs> camp is? What are you talking about? I have PTSD from training camp, man. Like anytime, anytime I think of Latrobe, anytime I think of any place I've had training camp at, man, I just get flashbacks. I get cold sweats. I start shaking. I want to sit in the corner. Like it's just bad. It's bad, I, man. I did say to wifey though, I will definitely not miss the, those beds in that sleeping situation. And you know the other thing too, Motsi, is that. Wifey and I have never been able to uh, to celebrate our anniversary on our anniversary because it's during training. We camp. haven't even been together yeah. on our anniversary um, because when I was in Philadelphia and then these past two years being in Pittsburgh, I'm always away for training camp on our anniversary. She said, well, "At least we will get to spend our our fourth anniversary in July. We might be the first one we get to spend together together like on it, that man. day." So yeah, there's some little things like that and getting to sleep in my own bed, etc. That I won't miss about St. Vincent, but it's. Nice carpet on the floor. It's yeah. It's it, it is though. I'll say this. It's it's a it's just an incredibly unique experience from the the way that the Steelers do training camp is yes. unlike anybody else. Now, from Arthur Motes' experience as a player, totally it stinks. Period. All right, any training camp stinks. Listen, man. I, just because this is the difference in perspectives. You wake up. You go eat your breakfast. <laughs> you go. You know, cover a little bit of here. Do a show there. Produce that. You go back to your room, you're relaxing. Oh, practice happens. Okay, cool. You're watching, you're covering it. Practice over. Okay, cool. You go back, you relax, you eat, you're chilling. It's good. After that, you're done for the night. Mr. Colbert might make a bonfire. Yeah, time to go have might fun. Go to Sharkies. But for me, it operates like this 5 a.m., P test. Man, my sleep's ruined for the day. Oh, did I mention that my back was hurting because the bed? Oh, my ankles hurt because, you know, I just got done with a very physical practice. Now I got to walk over here. Let me eat real quick. I feel like I'm chowing down jail food because I can't really enjoy it because I can't eat too much because I got weigh-ins. But if I don't eat enough, my body's going to break down. So now from there, okay, now I got to go get a lift in as well. Man, I'm already tired. I don't want to work out. Oh, now let me go to these meetings. Now I'm getting critiqued on things that I messed up in the day before or did good. Then after that, I take a nap, but it's not a nap because, oh, I got the lecture of taking a nap. It's a nap because, hey, if I don't get enough sleep right now, my body will fall apart on this training camp schedule. So you have to make yourself go to sleep. Then after that, oh, let me walk to practice. Oh, fans. Hey, shout out to the fans. I love y'all. You make me feel good. But now I got to go hit. 
I'm tired. It's hot. I'm already sore. I was going to say, you missed one of the biggest details. That it's like 95 yeah. degrees yes. and you're it's, in the middle it's of a field. It's crazy hot. <laughs> I'm in pads. We're hitting. I'm, I'm sore. Everything hurts. I got to walk back up. Hey, fan love. Shout out to the fans. You make it feel good. I'm still tired, though. Oh, mighty quarter cramp on the walk back up that dreadful hill oh. that everybody knows. You think it's dreadful in sneakers. Walk, walking in cleats after a two-and-a-half-hour practice. Walking in cleats. With 3,000 people clamoring for yes. your autograph. Yes. It sucks. <laughs> Then after that, oh, spend five minutes with the family. All right, let's eat again. But I got to eat on the run because, oh, I got a meeting right after that because they, the way they get you is this. They say, hey, you got time to eat. Now, now please tell me how this, this two-hour window of practice ending might have to talk to a coach after practice, stay on the field for extra work, plus autographs, plus shower, plus talk to my family, plus get my food, oh, take my family back to their car, and then get to meetings. It's not a lot that's of time. That's a lot to do in two it's hours. It's not a lot of time. That's a lot to do in two and, and, hours. And that's not counting if I need treatment or if I got to get in the hot tub, cold tub to make my body recover, a little pool therapy, none of that. Okay? Yeah, oh, my, oh. my training camp experience is a little bit different. We're not even done yet. We're not even done yet. Oh, oh, two more hours of meetings. My body hurt. I got to stay with because if I fall asleep, it means I get fined. So make sure of that. Oh, you're probably going to catch a cramp because everyone catches a cramp. In meetings for the two hours after, because it's right after practice. I mean, you're sitting there, you're like, there. yeah, this is terrible. So you catch a cramp. It's daily. We're going to laugh at somebody who locks up in meetings because, oh, I feel like my Someone legs are fall off. I got this cramp. out of their chair. You know? So, so, so we have that. Then after those meetings, okay, now I have, what, another two hours. Sometimes, depending on how long meetings were, it might be an hour, depending on how meetings were. Might have an hour to go, okay, let me get food one more time. Either I'm walking to the cafeteria or if I want to drive to one of these local watering holes that you speak of, a Dino's or a Sharky's, I got to call my order in because I got to be able to get there, get my food, and get back before room check because I would hate to get fined mm-hmm. for not being back for room check because I wanted some chicken wings today. Mm-hmm. And then repeat process. Oh, and I ain't even get on the fact that the bed, the bed is not, it's not what you think. It's a college dorm bed. It's a college, like, like. Legit college. I said dorm this last bed. year. I invested in a. It's a twin bed too. Yes, it's just yes. a twin college yes. dorm bed. I invested in memory foam last year. Mm-hmm. It's the best investment I think I've ever made in my I, life. I, anytime I go to give me the egg crates, the, yeah. the, the, the things you get right at Walmart, yeah. the egg crates. You get a gel pillow, and, and, and yeah, and not not gel in the sense of like, oh, it's nice, you know, memory foam. No, no, like gel, like J A I L gel. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, my 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 training camp experience is a little different. I get up at about seven a.m. Wow, set up the broadcast. Wow. Missy Missy and I on air from eight to ten. Wow. Then I produce Tunch and Wolf from ten to noon. Nice. Then I get an hour off. Mm. I go. Get, that's when I go get lunch in that mm. in that period. Oh, and not to mention when we've actually done the math on this, the amount of hours that we're actually working versus what we're compensated during that time frame of training camp is less than minimum wage. You said it, not me. Um, so, so <laughs> I'll just say. So from seven, so from seven to noon, I'm at the radio booth. Noon to one, I go get lunch for an hour. One o'clock, I come back until four o'clock from to produce Matt and Dale, then practice, then shower, then dinner, then watering hole. Man. I mean, so yeah, it's a, it's a long day, but I mean, other than like you know, the really the only thing I could complain about is the beds. Yeah. And I mean, I'm, or, or, I'm, man, I, I don't like how these Ray Bans look when the sun hits right here. Under this, under I was this gonna tent. say, the, uh, I am from like 7 a.m. till like what time's practice normally in six? Yeah, I'm out in the sun. Uh, so like 11 hours, I'm out in the heat. But other than that, but I can't they do really have complain. tents set up for you guys though. Uh, at the Upstairs, radio, at the radio, top, at the yes, radio yes. booth. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If you're on the sideline, no, no shade. Actually, no, no, no chairs, no nothing. That, so that's always my greatest debate, right? Is yeah. like I, I'm out there from 7 a.m. till like four o'clock, mm-hmm. and then at four o'clock, I'm like. 
do I really need to watch practice? I mean, like now if it's a padded practice and yeah. there's some backs on backers happening, oh, I'm I'm well, there. You know, it's funny, chops. man. I always I was always surprised by this in Buffalo. It's like a resort at the college. I mean, they have like the big tents for the media guys, like places to sit, like everything is just very posh. Like they spend a ton of money on the accessories and the amenities there, man. And I would always be just blown away like Man, you come here, it looks like we're at some Fortune 500 <laughs> like business retreat, man. This just well, doesn't hey, even feel like a training camp. If the media people talk about how nice and how much fun it is, then yeah. all the people start yes. showing up. It's and, crazy, man. Yeah, no, it, it is. But it'll, it'll, be, it'll be tough with no Latrobe this summer. Uh, but certainly, no <laughs> certainly uh, prioritizing everybody's safety above all else is, is always the right move. When we come back here, Arthur Motes, this is another discussion we've been wanting to have this week that we've kind of kicked the can down the road just due to current events and it kind of being an evergreen topic that isn't really time sensitive. 2019, the Steelers draft class from last year, right? Those guys have now finished their rookie year. What to expect from them uh, making that transition from a rookie to second season, from freshman year to sophomore year? Mm -hmm. What should that look like for some of these guys? We shall discuss on the other side. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler, it's Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. We're going to wrap up the first hour of the show here, get into the second hour with a topic that we kind of honestly have been teasing since we came back on air like three weeks ago. We've been talking about this 2019 draft class, right? And how you, there's always a big onus in any sport, certainly in football on that first to second year jump. Correct. At every level, at at, at high school, at at the collegiate level in college, at the NFL, you really want to see guys take a step forward between that freshman and sophomore season, that rookie to second year campaign because that is, it's it's cliched, but it's quite often true that that is when the most growth happens. That's when things start to slow down for you. You pick up on more. You're getting more comfortable with what you're being asked to do within a scheme, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, Arthur Motes, let's discuss some of these Steelers 2019 draft picks. Let's start here. You're going to like this. Not only are we starting on defense. Hey. Not only are we going to start with a linebacker on defense. Ah, yes. Music to my ears. But a linebacker on defense who wears number 55. Five, five. Five, five. Devin Bush, Arthur Motes, in your mind, what constitutes – we're sitting here a year from now, and we look back and say, man, that was a successful season for Devin Bush. What does that look like? Two things. He – takes over the vocal responsibility of leading that defense obviously as the middle linebacker the guy who's going to be on the field 100 percent of the time he's going to be the beacon of communication between safeties nickel corners d-line outside linebackers he has to be the one that steps up and has that constant communication because playing next to him it might be vince williams could be ulysses gilbert could be somebody totally different we don't know just yet could still be mark barrett you're right that's still another strong possibility especially with the way everything is playing out right now so in that regard He's going to need to be confident in what he's communicating. He's going to need to have a, a great understanding of the calls and the checks that go with each call. So I think that's the first thing. The second thing that would constitute a really good second year or elite for me is seeing him improve in coverage because that's going to be what he's going to be asked to do a lot more 
because obviously Mark Barron was the guy who took the the blunt of those the lion's share of the yeah of those of those coverage situations, especially the bad ones where you got the mismatches. And that's why a lot of times fans were very displeased with Mark Barron. Man, he sucks. He's always chasing. Granted, he had a ton of tackles, which I was like, hey, in those situations, I know how hard it is. At least he's getting these guys on the ground. That's in between a five-yard play and a 35-yard play. Mm-hmm. But this year is going to be Devin Bush in those situations because they're not going to ask Vince Williams to do that. Ulysses Gilbert, as much as we could be excited about him, he's not having OTAs right now. So his development could definitely be stunted in that regard. Right. And Mark Barron in a similar situation, no OTAs. Even if you were to sign him later on, who knows where he's going to be at in terms of being prepared to go and all that stuff. Right. Whereas with Devin, he's been in these virtual meetings this whole time. We saw what what he did last year as a rookie, and we know what we expect from him going forward. So I think that's all – going to be huge in terms of what we expect of him. But the coverage element is going to be huge because we've seen some times where he's looked good and made some plays, but we've also, but we've also seen some times where he's struggled because the coverage aspect is, is drastically different than run defense. Run defense, man, he's going to continue to excel. A lot of times with the run defense is, hey, do your job. If I'm in my gap, we'll be fine. And then the good guys are in their gap and they can still make a play in somebody else's gap as well. That's just the difference in that regard. But you can ultimately be a lot safer with the run defense. And coverage, it don't matter. <laughs> you on an island. Yep. Zone coverage, man guy. coverage, it does not matter. <laughs> so I think in that regard, that's those are the two things for me that would constitute a, a big leap, a, a successful year too. Green dot on his helmet guy this season, you think? For, for I those, feel like it has to be, For man. those unfamiliar, that's the, the one guy on the defense who gets the the headset in his helmet, if you direct will. Direct communication the, the direct with, the, with, communication the, uh, defensive with coordinator. the defensive coordinator. And yeah. Last year, Green I mean, they had a plethora helmet. of guys do it. Vince Williams wore it. Mark Barron wore it. T.J. Watt. So yeah. when you're factoring in all of these different people that wore it, that's a lot of different points of communication. Sure. That you're asking a lot from other people to have to communicate what this is and what that call is and things like that. And why is it important about who's wearing the dot? Because when you have the dot, the coach can talk directly to that player for the first 15 seconds of the play clock, communicate the play call and any tips and keys or hints that he needs to have communicated, he can do that. When you have a guy like TJ Watt, for example, as a passer, you get tired. As a passer, you come out the game. When he comes out the game, now you are – isolated to solely communicating through hand signals because multiple players can't wear the green dot. So now you have to just do hand signals to the the individuals out there, and that's it. So now instead of being able to give you the call plus a tip, instead of me being able to say, hey, Wes, man, I want you to run tight, Sammy 33. I need you to look out for the backside slant and understand that they're going to run a China concept to the front side. I can't tell you that when I'm hand signaling that to you. I you got a hand signal the, the type call, of defense. and that's, that's it. it. But not the second half. Correct. Yeah. And both are just as important because certain situations when you make – every time a coach makes a call, they're anticipating certain concepts. They're anticipating certain plays being ran due to the down and distance, due to the location on the field, and due to the personnel. It's not just, hey, make that call, and that's what we're just calling just to call it. No, everything is called for a reason. So when I call this call, I'm communicating with you, this is what we need. Or if I'm saying, hey, we're going to run, you know, tight dog rush one. Understand this. Make sure Bud stays outside. 
The reason I'm telling you that is because, hey, with this particular bliss, if Bud goes inside, now we're not going to have an extra contain out there. Whereas in we're a basic defense, wide open. correct. Yeah. Whereas in a basic defense, he can go inside. He has the flexibility because he knows somebody is outside covering him. So in that department, it's certain little keys and little tips that you need to tell him. Or hey, make sure you make hey, make sure the three technique makes the trip. Make sure you cross that that tackle's face, or make sure you cross this guard's face, so that way the blitz works how it works. These are all the things that transpire when you have that green dot, when you're able to communicate that on the field. But when you have multiple guys that are coming in and out and this guy has the green dot, but he's not on the field 100 percent of the time, that's that's what you run into. And it can suck, especially if a team goes hurry up. So imagine, for example, T.J. Watt in a two minute drill. I can tell you right now, as the pass rush doing two minute drill. You're going to get four to five great rushes. Then after that, you're going to need to come out because it's going to exhaust you physically and mentally. So now imagine you're going through a two-minute drill and you didn't even have the guy with the dot on the field for three plays. You know how critical that can be? You know how hard that can be trying to communicate to these guys on the field, hey, what the hand signal is going to be? And what ends up happening is now you isolate yourself and say, you know, we're going to have to just stay in this one call. We're just going to stay in this one call for the next couple of plays. So now any NFL player, any NFL coach, if you tell them what you're going to be in for the next three plays, you don't think any they will be able to gonna... draw up yep. something to beat you. They will. It, listen, Wes, I'm a great athlete compared to you, right? And all, with all due respect. <laughs> yes. But if I yes. tell you, if I tell you. No respect needed. That's just a true statement. If I tell you, hey, Wes, I'm going to stand right here five yards to your left, ten yards deep for the next three plays. You don't think you're going to figure out something to do that's going to get you open to make sure that you can take advantage of that? So those are the the things that you – the challenges that are presented when you have guys that aren't on the field the whole time wearing the green dot, which is why I feel like it would be important for Devin to wear the green dot, especially knowing that he's going to be the guy on the field 100% of the time. Professor Motes. Breaking it all down. I, I love that. I mean, that's With, a with great, all due respect, once to get to the pond hockey that's, legend. That's a great – yeah. You know what? It's, if – you are a much better athlete than me. I don't, I don't, want, I don't want any, I don't want any animosity, any ill will between us. Come on, man. No, but you're right though. If you and I were playing basketball, right? I mean, you'd you'd run the floor with me. But if you told me, hey, Wes, for my next three possessions here, I'm, I'm going gonna, right. I'm gonna take a, I'm gonna go right, and I'm gonna take a jump shot at the foul line. Mm-hmm. Like I would have a much better chance of stopping. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like okay, I got something for this. <laughs> All right, he's gonna go right. He's gonna pump fake. He's gonna yeah. take a jump shot two, from the foul two, line. Two jumpers he's shooting from the I, foul I, line. I can get up and get a hand in yeah. his face. <laughs> or, or or okay, hey, I couldn't get him up top, but I, you know what? When he takes that second jump and he goes to gather, I'm getting him down low. So you can formulate something. Hundred percent. Or hey, I'm gonna beat you to the spot. It's, it's multiple ways to go about and that. And that's me thinking that, right? Like, imagine these when Ben Roethlisberger knows that that's Absolutely, coming. In the man. Peyton Mannings, in the Russell Wilsons. Mm-hmm. You don't think that they can sit there at the line of scrimmage and say, all right, you know what? Screw this. We're doing that, and yes. we're, we're going to attack this, and it's going to work. Uh, you and see, that's a lot of times why offenses, time. why offenses like to go hurry up because they know for the, the less cerebral defenders, the coordinators that are scared or don't have that trust in their defense, they know they're going to go to a basic call. I remember, I think it was my my second year here in Pittsburgh. This would have been Ryan's first year taking over, like, the full responsibilities of wearing the green dot. We were playing Peyton – I mean, we were playing Tom Brady in New England. Early in the season, the th- I think it was the opening game of the year, the Thursday night game. Yes. And they went hurry up. And at the time, we hadn't got to the point where Ryan was able to call the defense on the fly. We hadn't got to that point where it was an equal trust between players and coordinator. And we were sitting in a cover three defense because that was our basic hurry-up call. 
and Brady picked us apart because he knew, oh, as long as I go hurry up, they have to go to this call because they don't have enough time to change it. They don't trust each other enough, and they can't get it communicated. And we literally sat in the same cover three. We had the exact same, man, I was buzzing. I buzzed probably 30 plays in a row. Hey, you're going to buzz out to the right. He's going to sit right here on this hook. He's going to sit right here on that hook, and he's going to buzz here. And they ran a cover three beater, three, four plays in a row, marched right down the field and scored. And it was nothing we could do about it because they knew what we were going to be in, and we didn't have enough like I said, the, the trust wasn't there. Now, at the end of the season, it was drastically different. At the end of the season, good luck trying that because we were we were communicating. We knew what calls we were going to make, how sure. we could alter. Okay, we're going to show this because this is what we traditionally go to, but we're playing something totally different. He's going to throw you the ball, hit you in the face, just catch it. Like, and that's what we were getting to. That's what it got to. So it's important that when we're talking about Devin Bush in this regard, <clears throat> you want to make sure that he's confident with those calls. You want to make sure that he has access to talk to the coaches, that the coaches can say, hey, look, Devin, show cover two, but we're going to go cover six right here, okay? It's going to look the exact same on the backside, but to the front side, it's a drastically different call. And that's going to catch this team off guard because it's going to look the exact same. It's going to look like we've been running the same call, and now we have them. But if I can't communicate that to you, we're stuck. You're a rudderless ship. Absolutely. Yeah, no, that is – Man, those last 10 minutes there were just a great X's and O's lesson in football from Arthur Motes. I love that. I I think so often the casual kind of untrained eye sits there and those type of things will happen that you just described, and they'll be screaming about the defensive coordinator, and they'll be screaming mm-hmm. about this guy who's missing his assignment, when in actuality you don't know what the call is. You don't know mm-hmm. what the communication is. It, it can look like a breakdown because somebody just missed an assignment, but there's several different things that can Absolutely. play into that. Yeah, that was whew, X's and O's. Football 101 from Arthur Motes right there. Just, just a little something for you on this Wednesday, just man. Just a little something. Just something. something. One hour in the books. That little something-something will continue. We'll keep talking about some of these other names. Deontay Johnson, Justin Lane, Benny Snell. What does a, uh, a second-year leap look like for these guys? We'll talk about that in hour number two as well as give you a best of the West, Arthur Motes. Can't wait. Get them tweets in for the second hour at Wesley or at the Body 52. The Body. This is Steelers Blitz on SNR. Hewler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR. Steelers Nation Radio. Good afternoon, Steelers Nation. How we doing? Peachy. Well, I've always been more of a Toad and Bowser guy myself than Peach, but that's good. I don't know where I was going there. I was trying I don't to make. Know either. A, I was trying to make a joke with Peach, with Princess Peach and Peachy. There, there's something there, but I just completely whipped. It hour, happens. <laughs> hour number two inside the electric. I, I like the. I like the effort though. Steelers Blitz on SNR rolling along here, talking about the Steelers rookies who are now finding themselves entering that second year. Freshman year is over. Now you're a sophomore. All right, you got to be a big man on campus. We talked about Devin Bush in the last segment. Arthur Motes, obviously very excited to see what the young linebacker can do in year number two. I think we're also very excited for this next guy. Steelers third round, first third round selection from 2019. 66th overall, Deontay Johnson. Motsi, when he was drafted, I think we were all hoping, okay, could this guy become a nice depth piece? Mm-hmm. Now we're talking, could this guy become a bona fide number one wide receiver in the National Football League? Yeah. And... A good, that's a good first year for a third-round pick. Without a doubt. I mean, when you look at the success that he was able to have as both a receiver and a return man, 
I mean, that's not easy to do. Both of those just in themselves are difficult. Hard positions to learn. And, and people like to take them for granted until <laughs> we see how bad it can be. And we saw that last year, man, at times. But then you also saw just how much of a breath of fresh air Deontay was. And the thing that was more impressive was the fact that he was doing it with a quarterback system that wasn't the best at the time with Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges. I mean, I laugh to myself sometimes when when we're talking about Juju and some of the things that we'll make excuses for him in terms of, hey, man, the quarterback play wasn't what it needed to be. He was dealing with injuries, things like that. But Deontay had those same quarterbacks, and he was still able to be highly successful, highly productive. So I'm very excited about Deontay. I think, man, when you look at what he's about to walk into this upcoming season in terms of having a, a highly productive quarterback in Ben Roethlisberger returning for yeah. him. I mean, regardless of what Ben's arm may be, the mental fortitude of Ben, the understanding of getting you in the right call. I mean, because you weren't seeing a lot of audibles at the line with Mason and Duck. Whereas with Ben, you know he's going to do everything that's necessary to get this call perfect for that defense. Kind of what we were alluding to in the last segment, sure, right? Sure, it all it all works. It all intertwines perfectly. So in that regard, that's going to open up and create some situations for Deontay just by scheme alone. That's going to have him in some very advantageous situations. Organically, it should happen yeah. for him. Yeah, w without him having to do the extra, like last year, we were seeing him have to do the extra, and that's what was making him that much more successful and that much more impressive. But this year, when you're getting put into a call, that's going to ultimately like when we we would always talk about on defense, right? You have some calls where, hey, you know, just when you go out here, you're not. It's, it's going to be a guy there waiting on you, like period. Then it's other calls where, like, you're going to be coming free, guaranteed. Like they don't have enough. This is the call that we know for a fact. When they run this, we isolate you. They don't have a person for you. That's what Deontay is going to be able to experience this year with Ben because it's going to be times where Ben's going to say, oh, they're running cover three. I got you. You're going to run this curl out right here. Or, oh, they're running that. All right, look, he's sitting at 10 to 12 yards deep. I want you to sit at nine. Perfect. Boom. Let's go. Just like that. And we've seen Ben communicate that right on the field. We've seen the success that has happened from that. So those are some of the things that Deontay is going to be able to experience. And obviously as a return man, a year older in that department too. When he didn't really even start doing it until midway through, through the season. season. Yeah. Yeah. Because before then it was Switzer. And then Switzer obviously went on injury reserve with the back injury and that opened the door for Deontay. But for me, man, I'm excited about Deontay more so in that department because now he's going to be a lot more confident. And later in the year, we saw him improve his catching mechanics. That was my biggest thing with Deontay early in the season when people were like, maybe you should just put him back out there, put him out there. And I'm like, the reason why Switzer's out there right now is because Switzer has great fundamentals and mechanics in terms of catching and securing the ball. Because the first job of a return man is to secure possession. Don't turn it back over. After that, now you try to gain the yardage. And early in the season, remember, we would watch Deontay. He was catching the ball outside of his framework. He had put a couple on the ground. It wasn't good mechanics. And if you're a D, I mean, if you're an offense, or excuse me, not even an offense, if you're a coach, you're not comfortable when you know it's 50-50 whether or not this guy's going to catch it and keep possession. Like, that's a bad feeling because as a defense, you get the stop, you force the punt. Offense, you think you're going back out there. And now, oh, we fumbled the ball on the special teams part. Last thing you want. Now defense goes back out there. They're tired. It's not a good situation. But as the season progressed, he continued to work on his fundamentals and his mechanics, and that's where you would see him be a lot more successful and a lot more sure-handed. And I think as long as he continues that, I think he's going to be even better in that department because he's going to get a full season now, full body of work as the return man. And a full training camp. Correct. And yeah, I, I think you got to be encouraged, excited about what that could look like. And 
when you were talking about a lot of the opportunities that could open up for him organically in terms of the wide receiver role uh, with Ben back in the fold, everything you were describing, it kind of reminded me of what we saw from Keenan Allen two years ago yes. at Heinz Field, right? Yes. And how that was just the way that you were as a Steelers fan sitting there pulling your hair out. Eh, maybe maybe we could be the ones dishing out that frustration. Absolutely, man. This year. Yeah. It's, Deontay Johnson, man, we're, we're all so excited about this guy. Uh, for a third-round pick, looks like he could be an absolute diamond in the rough. A guy that maybe the opposite of Deontay Johnson in terms of we kind of know nothing about this guy, just such a small sample size. Justin Lane, it's almost like he's forgotten, Mozi. Yeah, man, Justin Lane is our version of Josh Rosen right now. <laughs> the guy who, you know, was talented, highly regarded coming out. Like, wait, where is but, this guy? But what happened? Just, just hasn't got the opportunities. You're like, is he good? Is he not good? Like, what's going on with him? He's good. He's not good. So for Justin, I think his situation is different in terms of he can benefit. Well, he has benefited from the fact that Joe Hayden and Steven Olsen were so productive that past season that he really wasn't called upon. Right. So that gave him a glorified red shirt season in theory. Could work in his advantage. Yes, because a lot of times we saw with Artie Burns, man, when you're out there early, you can either play really well and your confidence goes up or you can struggle and now you lose your confidence. So for Justin, I think it was important for him to be able to take this time to just gather and learn. And, and it's rare that this happens, especially as a third-round pick. It's rare that that happens. But for him, it worked out. Now, I would love to see going forward him try to him emerge a little bit in terms of whether you're competing in the slot with Mike Hilton mm -hmm. and Cam and uh, Cam Sutton, whether you becoming one of the guys that when they go dying packages with some of these more exotic sub package balls that you are the guy that they're calling upon because when you look at what he brings to the table from a a physical attribute oh. standpoint, he checks a ton of boxes. He's Absolutely. a better athlete. He was a wide receiver right. until two or three years Correct. ago. He has more of the physical attributes than a Mike Hilton or even a Cam Sutton in that department. So I would love to see him be able to compete with those guys and take that next step. And he's going to get his opportunity in training camp. But I just hope that he doesn't fall to the fall in the trap of thinking last year is normal or thinking that, hey, because – you know, Steven Nelson and Joe Hayden are, these still guys here. are still here. Well, yeah, I'm just fresher, and I, I got another time to just kind of sit on the roster and do what I do. That's not how it traditionally works, especially in Pittsburgh. You're going to have to bring value to yourself. What are you going to do to make us believe that you can still produce? What are you going to do to make us feel that you should be on this roster? And that's what I want him to understand, that, hey, you can't get complacent and think that this is normal. You have to understand that, hey, you're going to have to put in work, whether it's in special teams becoming a more dynamic because it was times where he wasn't getting a helmet. I think that's people don't understand. Like it's the difference between not playing defense and not, playing. And not getting a helmet. Yeah. Like when you're not getting a helmet, they're saying that, Hey, of our 46 game day players, you're not one of our top 46 guys. You, you can't help us. You can't help us. That's, I mean, it's one of the most just disrespectful things that they can say to you. It, I mean, for me, I've had that experience, what once and, yeah, for a fact, I was like, bro, I don't want to hear nothing. Like, don't talk to me. And we get back to press, I'm trying to kill everybody. And this is never happening and again. And it never happened again. Yeah. <laughs> so that was kind of the thought process with that. So when I look at Justin, I'm just hoping that he understands, like, that's not acceptable for you to be a third-round pick, for you to have that type of talent and not be getting a helmet on game day because mm -hmm. you can't tell me that you can't help as a gunner. It's going to be an open spot now that Artie Burns is gone. That should be you at the you bare minimum. You should be minimum. looking at that. Yeah, bare minimum, at that's the bare my spot. minimum, that's your spot. And that guarantees you a helmet. And then from there, 
Now let's get on defense. Now let's figure out how can I help on defense. And I think those are the ways that that has to work for Justin. But until then, we, we I mean, we have to just operate as him being an incomplete grade just because we don't know. Right. We haven't seen a good body of work from him yet. That's the, that's the biggest thing with Justin Lane, that incomplete. I mean, even if you look back at his time at Michigan State, he played, I think, 25, started 25, 26 games at cornerback in his college career. That's it. That's insane. Uh, but, yeah, I'm with you. It needs to be getting a helmet regularly on game days. Needs to be using this time, looking at it as a blessing in disguise for him to be able to really stay in the lab and work on his craft instead of just, oh, it's a it's another year where I'm stuck behind some veterans. Uh, I think that's an astute advice from Arthur Motes, certainly. And, man, I always said this, man. I, I'm As an NFL player, you should never be content being somebody's backup. It didn't matter how much I cared for my guys that were in front of me or how much I love these guys. I'm talking early in my career, too. I mean, because obviously in Pittsburgh, it was a different situation with us doing the rotation and stuff. But still, the mindset, the mentality was always, I want to be the guy. Like, hey, I love you to death, man. I'm glad you're my brother. I'm glad we get to work together. But I want to be the starter. I want to come right. out and you just you, you just give me a breather when I need one. But I want to be the guy. And that's if that you has don't to be, have that attitude. Yeah. What are you doing there in the first place? <laughs> like, like, period. It was never. A, oh man, I can't wait to be your backup this year. Not a chance. Uh. Uh-uh. And, and if you and if I wasn't getting the snaps that I felt I deserve, if I wasn't being viewed, hey, when it's crunch time, when it's a critical situation, if they're not calling my number, oh, I, I, that's disrespectful to me, because I feel like you're wasting my talent. And that ultimately pushed me and helped me to become a better player, but also it pushed the guys around me too because they knew that, hey, I can't take this for granted and I shouldn't take this for granted. And that's the only thing I hope with Justin that he's understanding that, that, man, this 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 opportunity you have is special. But just know, okay, this is you're not going to get another year like how last year was because after right. that they're going shopping. Yep, They're going to go find somebody else who can compete, who can help them out in that regard. So just understand that whole situation, man. Talked about three of the uh, the prominent rookies from the 2019 Steelers draft class. We got to talk a little Benny Snell on the other side Benny as well. Snow football. And I got a little Best of the West Wednesday for hey. you as well, too. So we'll talk some Benny Snell football. We'll do a little Best of the West when we come back on the other side. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler, inside the electric factory. This is Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Before we get to Best of the West Wednesday here, we got to wrap up this 2019 rookies discussion, Arthur Motes, with another guy that I think in a lot of ways, you know, we still incomplete evaluation in a lot of ways. I just said in a lot of ways there twice. <laughs> I also work for the Department of Redundancy Department. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a lot of ways, too. <laughs> oh, you got joke, huh? You got joke? You got jokes? You gonna get these jokes up? All right, go ahead. <laughs> Benny Snell, Arthur Motes. We saw some good from him last year at times. We saw some that, you know, left left much to still be desired if you will um the addition of anthony mcfarland yes plays into this but the steelers haven't gone out necessarily uh free agent shopping or veteran shopping maybe is the the best way to put that it's not like the steelers went out and brought in a veteran running back uh benny snell arthur motes we know that 
it, we know. <laughs> Maybe that's too strong of a term. It's safe to assume <laughs> that we think that it's going to be James Conner's job unless, one, he gets hurt or somebody else kind of grabs the reins of that. What do you think, A again, kind of like what I asked you uh, with Devin Bush, if we're sitting here a year from now, what does a successful sophomore season look like for Benny Snow? For Benny Snow, I think it is defining a more carved-out role with James Conner being back. Last year, it was easy for Benny to be the feature guy late in the season because of James Conner's lack of availability due to health. So just by availability alone, Benny was going to get those opportunities just by personnel alone because he was competing with Kareth White, who from a physical standpoint isn't the same style of running back as Benny. When we talk Jalen Samuels, who wasn't the, the same style of running back as Benny. But now with a healthy James Conner, what is Benny going to do to prove that he should warrant touches, to prove that he should warrant actual carries? And I think that will be a successful year, too, if he can show whenever he gets this opportunity. I don't think it would be early in the season, per se, but I because obviously I think with the way this offseason is working out, they're going to ride James Conner early on, unless he proves that he can't be healthy. But when Benny does get those opportunities, very similar to what we saw the second game of the season versus the Seahawks, where, hey, it's third and one, he got his opportunity ripped off a 23-yard run. If he continues to do those type of things in his in his and those minimal opportunities that he'll get early on, I think that's going to open the door for him to have a more defined division of labor. And that's ultimately what I would view as a, success, a successful season for him. Now, granted, this could all change if James got hurt and now he sure. becomes the feature back. Well, now what I view as successful for him is going to be drastically different. Sure. But I'm operating with the mentality and understanding that James will be healthy. And that's so, what we have. Because if we don't, we could go into hyperbole correct. for for hours. Correct. So yeah. as long as I'm operating with the mindset that James is going to be out there as the guy healthy, well, this is going to be your role, Benny. When you're coming in there on maybe a third down, your protection needs to be up to par. We don't need Ben getting hit because of you. So that has to be up to par. Yeah. When you do get your touches, you're not getting tackled in the backfield like we saw in the preseason. You're always falling forward. You're always punishing the defender. You're always finishing the run. So I think that's going to be important, too, when I look at him and then ball security. I mean, you remember, he put a ball on the ground. I think it was Arizona. You cannot, under any circumstance, put the ball on the ground. And the words of Coach Tomlin, when you carry that ball, you're carrying our hopes and dreams with it. And if you turn <laughs> that ball that. over, man, you're, you're killing us. So in that department, those are the three things that, that I would say would deem a successful season for Benny Snell. Like I said, great pass protection when you're called upon always finishing the run slash falling forward when you do run the ball, and then ball security. Ball security. Those are the three things that I would view as successful for Benny Snow. I concur. I mean, that's that's a great list. That's a fair list. And, again, without getting too hypothetical, Correct. I think that's about as far as we can go at this point. Yeah, absolutely, man. Because, like I said, I don't, I don't want to put that on James of, whoa, you know, James can't stay healthy, so it's going to be this. And I understand the approach of a running back by committee approach just to be proactive in preserving him, similar to what we saw with Ty Gurley, because sure. that's the whole great debate. Do you – we saw two situations with Ty Gurley, right? One where you ran him to the ground, he was killing, crazy successful for, what, 12 weeks, and then the last four games plus the, the playoffs lead up to the Super Bowl, he was a shell of himself, did not look the same. Then you saw last year where they were more, I guess – deliberate with their approach in terms of minimizing his touches and protecting him and he was actually able to stay healthy and look impressive throughout the whole season right 
but he didn't have the amount of touches or, or the amount of opportunities to impact the game. So you have to ask yourself, well, which one do I want more? Do I want this guy to go crazy for X amount of games and then fall off because of wear and tear? Or do I protect him and hope that we get to the playoffs and he's healthy? So that's kind of the, the big question with James Conner because we've seen the one side where you're riding him, riding him, riding him, and he hasn't been able to sustain that. And he's, you know, dwindled off or fell off due to injuries that may have been accumulated through that process. So I think I mean, with Benny Snell, you have to know that you're going to get opportunities in some way, shape, or form, whichever it may be, it's whichever method the Steelers use, you're going to get an opportunity. But those are the things that you're going to need to do to make it productive, to make it successful, and to ultimately help the team win. I like it. Some good breakdown of these uh, these rookies who are entering their second year, There's these freshmen who are becoming sophomores, and, and what it takes to, to continue success and to, to find more success at this level. Uh, get your tweets in again here. About another half an hour left in the show. At Wesley Euler at The Body 52. The Body. All right, at the most, you ready for a little best of the West here Man, on I've been Wednesday. waiting on you, baby. I, uh, it's, a, it's a shortened list today. It's only, I got five oh. items for you, okay? Okay, all right. And listen, I've been... I'm a little nervous, actually. I, I thought about this last night, and I was flip-flopping around, and I'm like, do I want to go with something sportsy, sports, sports? You know, we sportsy, talked... Sportsy, sports, sports. We All talked right. a lot of quarterbacks <laughs> yesterday. You know, do I want to do... Hey, you know, let's. we talked about quarterbacks. We're going to Super Bowl. Why don't we rank our top 10 quarterbacks, right? You know, I thought about something like that, but I'm like, you know, we're still in that summer phase where we can do some kind of off-the-wall things here with Best of the West. So here's what I got for you, Mozi. Top five aquatic vessels mm. all right so i'm talking thing vehicles things that you can take out on the water to have fun during summertime arthur moats we've i, I flip flop back and forth on this starting at the top of the list or starting at the back of the list i'm gonna start at the top of the list today all right number one aquatic vessel for mm. summertime entertainment jet skis all right, and I know a lot of people are going to knock the jet ski, right, because it's a one- or two-person thing. It's not really like a boat, right, where you can have family and you can do this and you can do that. The people who say that haven't been on jet skis mm. enough in their life. There are there are few things just as naturally, fundamentally fun and entertaining as getting behind a jet ski and just and whipping down the, the ocean or the river or the lake or whatever. Now, are you going five to one or one to five? I'm going one to five. Okay. okay. So this is number one on my gotcha. list. Jet skis, number one. Number two on my list, Arthur Moat's a pontoon boat. Okay, interesting. Now, people are thinking probably like, oh, a pontoon boat? I mean, don't you want to get a little bit fancier? Mm -hmm. Pontoon boat is the most versatile of the boats. Okay. I mean, you could do anything with a pontoon boat. You could put a grill on a pontoon boat and grill out. You can have people on a pontoon boat. Is that safe? Hey. <laughs> it's safe unless something goes wrong. <laughs> Pontoon boats are incredibly versatile. You can get up on the side and you can do flips off the edge. You just a lot that you can do with a pontoon boat. That's number two. Number three is a speedboat. Okay. All right. Because, I mean, you can really get in depth with aquatic activities, right? You can water ski, mm -hmm. you can inner tube, you can do all that. You can wakeboard. Okay. You could do all, I don't think wakeboard's the proper term, but the, the surfing with the pulling of the rope, okay, you know what okay, I'm talking okay. about. Speedboat number three. Number four. A little physical activity. Huh. A kayak. Whoa. All right? Whoa. Yeah, I love kayaks. Whoa. I do, and I know it's hard work, all right? I was, uh, two weekends ago, my my wife and I went kayaking with her brothers, and I'm, like, still feeling it now. But I love kayaking. There's something, I feel like Lewis and Clark when I'm out there. Just, oh, man. See, I wasn't a Lewis and Clark guy. 
Just just dis- <laughs> just discovering the world. All right, that's number four kayak and number five Arthur Motes. Banana boat. Banana. Okay, LeBron and CP3 and Melo. Okay. So I can have a LeBron James style right. party with all my friends on the banana boat. I like boat. it. So, I like it. Best of the West. Best aquatic vessels for the summertime. Number one, jet ski. Number two, pontoon boat. Number three, speedboat. Number four, kayak. Number five, banana boat. Arthur Motes. What say you? All right. Well, first off, man, I think we both can agree jet skis is number one. Yeah. And give you context, I don't have a lot of experience on aquatic vessels for leisure. <laughs> I'm a land guy. In fact, I hate the water. I mean, hate is a strong word. The reason I don't like the water is because of this. In my mind, all right, y'all want context. I give you context. I'm afraid of octopus. Oh, I don't you. like octopus. Ooh. That's like my, my, my biggest fear. Like, is hey, it? I'm in the water. Octopus grab me. I can't do anything. And I've watched, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean and the Kraken. I was like, oh, God. Do you octopus. get, like, PTSD when Red Wings fans throw octopus on the ice? During, it's weird. It's weird. Like, like my middle girl, she's into this, like, weird kick of I want to try all these different, like, foods and stuff. She's like, octopus let's try sushi. sushi. And she, octopus and that's sushi what she said. is phenomenal. She said, it's Dad, amazing. I want to try octopus. So good. And I'm like. Was this Ava? Yes. And I'm like. Shout out, Ava. Babe, I love you. I will cook anything for you. I will purchase anything for you. Daddy's not buying that. Ava, if you're listening right now, octopus sushi yeah. is delicious. I was, I was like, keep, da- Dad's not buying that, man. Dad's keep not doing it. So for me, that's my biggest fear. So that's why I don't spend a lot of time in the water. If I do, it's where I can stand and get out. Because my second thing is, <laughs> hey, if I'm on land, regardless of the animal, I feel like I got a chance. In the water, I don't have a chance. Not a chance. I, don't have, I can't hold my breath for that long to fight. I can't swim that fast to get away. There's nothing I can do. At least on land, I feel like I got a chance. If I if, if the situation's right, hey man, I hey hey, don't sleep on me, regardless of the animal. That's all I'm saying. Okay, so so with my list, just understand that. All right. So number one, so number one, jet skis, because I love my jet skis. Okay, I actually had a chance. Me and my oldest KK, we were jet skiing it up. The I best. flipped it. It was awesome. It's the best. I flipped the thing, it. Even we, when you crash, yeah, yeah. Even when we crash, you were just laughing like, like a motorcycle, Yo! but you can crash it and it's exactly. <laughs> Exactly. I flipped it. I was like, yo, this is awesome. She was like, yeah. And we got back on and rolled off. Yeah, it's the best. <laughs> so so Jeski's number one. Number two, I'm bougie. Give me the cruise ship. Ooh. I like a cruise ship, man. That's very aquatic. They got water slides. They do. I can see the beautiful ocean. They got the hot tubs. It's safe. You know what I mean? Like, I don't have to worry about Might anything. Might even be an so, open bar on yeah, set ship. Always open bar. Got to have that. So for me, that's number two, the cruise ship. Number three, speedboard. I've never done one. But I'm talking like the crazy fast ones that they race. Like, like at the regattas. Yeah. Whoa. It looks awesome. You're trying to get in one of those. I do want to, but I don't know how safe it is because I see a lot of them crash <laughs> yeah, and it doesn't look safe. good. It looks not good. Okay, so that's number three. Number four, you said a pontoon boat. I'm not a pontoon boat guy. My wife loves pontoon boats. They're the best. Give me the mini Party yacht. on the water. I want the mini yacht. Not the, not the massive one. You know, like the, the little miniature, like... Nice size boats, bathroom up mm-hmm. there. It's cover on top, so I got shade. Somewhere where the ladies can lay out. Yeah, yeah. Give you me, know? give me one of those. I hear you. I mean, anyone that's on, that follows Marquise Pounce on Instagram, you see, has the big yes. Florida Gator themed yes. like mini yacht. Yes, that's what I want. Something yes. like that. Yes. and I got you. <laughs> that that's that's my okay. type of thing right there. Okay, okay. I like it. Like, I like instead it. of making it blue and or oh, I think it was blue and orange, you can make mine black and gold. You can make it purple and gold. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we would go that route, I all like right? It. I like but I it. want one of those. I dig it. That, that's 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 I'm, my speed. I'm picking up what you're putting down. I can fish off of that. I can sunbathe. My wife can sunbathe. Can jump off of that. Kids can have fun. 
if I want to pull somebody behind me, I can pull you behind me. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? We're good to go. It's versatile. I can go to the bathroom. <laughs> I don't have to say, oh, man, we got to find land. Or don't stand downwind. Or no, yeah, you nobody know what look mean? at me while I lean yeah. over the edge here. Or, or, or if I'm eating something, my tummy hurt, I don't have to get, you know, nasty in that regard. I can just, it's a bath, though. I need amenities. <laughs> say no more, fam. It's exactly why I don't like to go camping. I need amenities. Okay? I'm not digging a hole in the ground. It's not what I do. <laughs> no, I need toilet paper. Like, I- I'm bougie. I need hand soap. I need that. Not sanitizer. Hand soap. Hand soap. Okay? All right. So, mini yacht. Okay. And then the fifth thing, man, I've never done it, but it looks cool. The the, the tubing, the, where they put, like, the little inner tube behind you and they pull it. Mm-hmm. I've never done it. It looks awesome, mm-hmm. though. It's something I, I want to try at one time in my life. I do want to try it. But, like I said, I, I don't really when, – when we're talking vacation, we're talking activities, I'm like, hey – um. I'm not really looking forward to anything in the water. If I can't stand in it, I'm good. If I got to swim the whole time. If I, when I have to put a life vest on because of how far we are, that's, that's when, it, when it, it's not fun to me line. anymore. It's not fun to me anymore. I, I don't want to be here. Okay? If I got to wear a life vest, I don't like it. Arthur Motes, this discussion has burned up the Twittersphere. We've got all kinds of people chiming in on this conversation. I love it. We will get to your tweets on the other side as we wrap up the show. Last chance to get them in. At Wesley Oler, at Body 52 Body. We will wrap up the show when we return on the other side. You're inside the Electric Factory listening to Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Wrapping up the show as we always do with your participation on the Twitter.com. And we got some good ones today, Motesy. I tell you what, though, these people, our dear Power Grid listeners... The best in the business, those listeners? That's what you're talking about? They they are not giving up on you uh, coming out of retirement, Motsi. I'm, I'm just oh, not saying. A <laughs> I know, I know. They haven't, they haven't gotten the message fully not yet. But our buddy, our buddy Lil JMB55 says uh, he's got an idea. Motsi comes out of retirement and helps the Steelers win a Super Bowl. It's not happening, man. <laughs> um, this is about the, the most I'm going to help him right here. I'm going to talk about him. I'm, I'm going to show you the <laughs> breakdowns of what they can do to improve. Some of the things they're doing well. I'm not coaching nothing. I'm not practicing nothing. Listen, just the thought of me having to put on them tight football pants again gives me nightmares. I don't want to deal with none of it. You know, listen, my son, who's actually in the radio booth with us right now. He is. Little G's hanging out. He, he's always asking me, hey, Dad, because I have, like, two pair of cleats that sit in the garage, like okay. game cleats. And he's like, Dad, when are you going to put those on again? Never. <laughs> I said, literally, the only reason they're sitting there because I haven't found somebody they donate them to. <laughs> I thought about throwing them away, and they're just sitting here. But no, I'm not. I will never put these on. But you know how good my feet feel now, not having to wear cleats. Yeah, I, I, just, I just can't go back. I just can't. Can't do it. And, and it's funny. Can't I, do it. In my mind, I, I I forgot who I was looking at or looking up, doing some research on one of these athletes, and I was like, dang man, he still plays 35. And then my my oldest, she's like, Dad, you only thirty two. You young? I was like, Yo, chill, chill. Relax. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. I'm not going. I don't care. <laughs> Michael says here, what did Moats have for breakfast? He's crushing it. Good stuff, guys. Part for the course as always. I know. Moats is laying down the law today, baby. I love it. Man, we're just having a little fun, man, doing what we do. 
Thrash says, I'm doing kayaking wrong if it's hard work. You need to find a nice long stretch of slow water, crack a couple cold ones, and fish, not paddle your butt off. But see, Thrash, that's what I'd like to do on a boat. Like, in a kayak, again, I feel like I'm an explorer. Like, I feel like it's like 400 years ago, well, and I'm just kind of going to see this, everything. It's, it's funny you talk about kayaking. I don't know if this this probably isn't considered kayaking. But you remember, like, in the Peter Pan cartoons mm-hmm. the, with, with Smee and Captain Hook, and they got the little rows on the side. They're sitting in it. It's like two little places to sit, and they got one oar on this side and one I think it's called oar, right? One on one side, one yes. on the other side. Yes. I want, I want to do that. Like, I think that would be fun. Hey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey. I think that would be cool, man. Like you're a Viking? Yeah. <laughs> cool. I think it would be cool. I, I would like that. Joseph says, man, I love jet skis. It's like riding a motorcycle on the water. I mean, that's a perfect. It's amazing, But it's man. like a motorcycle, but it's safer. Yeah. Yeah. It's you don't have great. to have a helmet on. I mean, it can't. I mean, it probably could kill you, but. I mean, I'm sure. Dying, yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. are pretty slim. I if you crash into something, yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Or if you get eaten you by, like, gotta, a shark you got to be or safe still, yeah. Well, and, and you know, the funny thing was this, though, because remember I was telling you about how I still have that fear of, like, if I have to wear a life vest and I can't touch the bottom when I'm in the water, it freaks me out. So when me and my daughter, my, my oldest, KK, we were riding the jet skis, and we're getting it. Like, and she's on the back, and she's like, Dad, go faster. We hitting it. And then I'm like, all right, let's start spinning little donuts in the water, right? When we initially flipped and went into the water, for a second, I told you it was funny because it was fun. <laughs> oh, no. But just for a slight second. Did you see your flat life flash before I, your I eyes? had a panic of I looked down with the vest on because obviously me and her were good. And she's loving it. She's eating it up. Yeah. But I looked down. I was like, yo, I can't see the bottom. What if there's a shark in this water? And I instantly <laughs> went from, oh, this is fun, to I'm flipping this thing right now. Get out the water. We got to get back up here ASAP. Like, I instantly went there, freak out mode. It, it was only quick because, you know, I had to had to go daddy mode. Like, all right, right. let's operate. And same with football. You, you're you so able to uh, to, to car- uh, compartmentalize yes. in your mind. It's yeah. like, all right, boom. All right, checklist. All right, breathe. All right, boom, breathe. Okay, <laughs> flip it. Okay, flip it. Done. Okay, get KK on first. Okay, boom. I pull myself. All right, good. Now we're good. Let's go. But before you that happened, that moment. I had a moment where I was like, oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. Save me. This is not good. Not I don't want to go out like this. Not no water, no. Please, please help me. <laughs> Arthur Motes, after a lifetime of being terrified on the open waters, tragically lost his life on a jet yeah, ski. Yeah. That's not what I want. Come on, Motes. I, I just can't we go out like that, that, man. We don't need that. That would be the most miserable way for me to go out to. Everybody knows, too. Everyone's had those moments in their life where for that split second, you're like, oh, this could be really bad. Yes. And then you're like, all yes. right, I'm breathing. My head's still attached. I see we're good. Right, I I'm don't good. see anything in the water next to me right now. <laughs> Let's go fast. Because the thing with the jet ski is, like, you have to be out far enough. Right. To you really know? gas it and yes. have fun. Yeah. So, like, we were, like, it, it was to that point where you're like, could I swim to the shore? Sure, I could. Would it be a challenge? I would have to mentally lock in and say, hey, I'm making it back to land. Like, that would have to be the mindset. So it wasn't the fear of drowning. No, I wasn't worried because I'm like, yo, if worse, <laughs> if worse come to worse, we could swim back. Hey, KK can swim good enough, but I can make sure that, hey, I got her. We can get back to land. Like, I'm going to, hey, I had a Marine tell me one time. I was like, yo, how far can you swim? He said, man, how far, how how far, far do I, I got to swim? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if, if it's two miles, are we talking, you know what I mean? 10 miles like whatever it is like i'm gonna make it and i'm like i i totally agree because i have that same mentality i know 1000 percent what you're saying that wasn't the issue the issue was what's in this water with me <laughs> because i don't want to die from a heart attack from a fish just swimming <laughs> so by me that was too big to climb back up on that jet ski real you know quick. what i mean it sounds like i go snorkeling and i'm like 
oh, this is fun until I see a fish that's a little too big for my liking. And I'm like, you know what? This isn't fun anymore. This isn't fun anymore. I don't all like right. this. All of a sudden, yeah, it's, it's, so it's cool. time to go. It's time to go. <laughs> we got some football-related questions here, too. Rebecca, the lit one, lit, 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 lit. Uh, asks, does the green dot uh, player vary from game to game? It can. It, yes. It, it definitely can. Um, yep. In Buffalo, well, even here in Pittsburgh, just regardless of wherever you're from, um, depending on if they have that surefire guy who's never leaves the who field, never leaves the field who, then yeah. yeah it can definitely switch it was times in buffalo where we had i think five different guys wore the dot over a span of like six or seven weeks like it was just hey you got it for this game oh okay this guy's not going to be featured as much because of the offense that we're playing against all right now that guy needs to wear it okay well he's hurt mm. so now this guy's gonna wear it and the issue is this you can only like i said have one per per game so and, and, and when I say one player have it per game, if that player is tired or for some reason he's playing bad and you bench him, you can't switch that yeah, helmet. You're, you're stuck. The only way you switch the helmet is if that player got hurt and he cannot return to the game. Then you go, they have it locked away with a key and a bolt on it. They got to unlock it, let the NFL notice what they're doing, and then they switch the helmet out to somebody else. But then that helmet that had the mic has to be locked away and put away and things like that. So it's very, very important in terms of who you designate as the guy with the microphone because you don't get the luxury of, oh, he's playing bad, let's just switch him out. Like, it does not work like that. Yeah, you're, you're right. If, for certain franchises, right, like for the Seattle Seahawks, it's been Bobby Wagner with, Correct. That, with that thought. So you're fine. Oh, yeah. You're fine, yeah. But you're for fine. others, it, it can certainly I mean, change. imagine if you're the Bengals once Vontez Burfick left. Who is their guy that, oh, is definitely this guy? Who's it been for the Browns for the last exactly. decade? Like, yeah. you just don't know because they're constantly switching it. Last one here, the Photoshop King. Ah, yes. David says, how do you guys think they'll handle all the Hall of Fame activities this year? Man, that's, that's a good – that's question. something we have not really talked about. I – it was supposed to be the first week in uh, August. Correct. I still don't see large assemblies being allowed the first week in August. Yeah, and – I think they'll still have the preseason game. We'll see. This is my thing. I always am 50-50 – on this so you saw where the MLB we talked about how they moved their Hall of Fame back a year yep uh, in one sense I'm like no I would rather just get the induction I wanted it to be official in terms of like being celebrated but then at the same time it's like man I would rather be able to celebrate with my family and my friends and still sure. receive you want to be able to have all the those same people atmosphere there that you. everybody has Absolutely. had you walk out on me. that stage and there's thousands yes. of fans and they're cheering for so, you so in that department it's like yeah, I see both sides that. of it, yeah. but I mean, for me, because I, I, I'm thinking like a guy like Donnie Shell. It's like, man, he's waiting so long for this. So it's, it's like, gonna now a, you're going to tell me you got to wait another year to yeah, get that? Like, that's true. That's tough. But at the same time, would Donnie Shell rather do that mm -hmm. in a small environment, or would he rather do Receive it where he can full, invite all correct. his friends? And that, the fact that there's 20 guys being inducted this right. year plays into that. Because if each one of those guys just invites 10 people alone, yeah, that's, oh, that's, that's 200 people crowd, all of a sudden. Easily. Yeah. yeah, so that's... That's kind of like my whole dilemma and with that. Like you said, I do think the the pre the the Hall of Fame preseason game will happen, and I think we talked about this before. The Steelers should definitely want that. The, because, the Steelers and the Cowboys should yeah, be happy that they got it this year because with the, the way, the way this all season out. has. Yep. Yeah. So in that department, man, those are some of the pros and cons to that. But I don't know, honestly, man. I, I personally don't think it's going to happen in terms of the Hall of Fame festivities, just because August isn't that far away. Yeah. Like it's not. It's not. It's really not. <laughs> Like when, now. We, when we speak of some of these dates, it's like, dude, that's right around the corner. Listen, we, you and I t joke, but we're serious all the time about how it kind of still feels like we're in March yeah. in a way. 
in the planning. That was three months ago. <laughs> listen, in the planning that it takes, the same way I talked about with training camp where, hey, the, the time it takes to coordinate hotels, the catering, the expenses and all that thing, the transportation to and from, it's the same with the Hall of Fame. You have to coordinate, okay, where are these guys staying at? Okay, you have to coordinate where their family is going to be staying at. Okay, you have to coordinate the catering companies and all that stuff. So it's not as if you have this luxury of, oh, we got plenty of time to plan this stuff. Like, no, nah, it's, it's not a lot of time. Yeah, it's this is all happening very quickly. A lot of moving parts with this. The Hall of Fame, the preseason, the training camps, the OTAs. and I mean, there is just so much to juggle and so much unknown. It's not even like you have exact answers of when things are going to, you know, we're starting to reopen as a country, but it, you, there's still, it's still not that black and white. There's just a, a ton of gray area. A lot of minutia, Mozi. A lot of minutia. I like the minutia. That'll do it for today's show. Thanks to everybody for rocking with us. Everybody who tweeted in. Day by day, Mozi. We're getting more and more participation. It's good stuff. Thanks to little G-Man for hanging out and rocking with us here in the oh, yeah, studio man, he's, he's been a part of the group. He's part of the power grid. <laughs> That's right. Uh, tomorrow on the program, same time, same place. Uh, we'll have to talk to our buddy Brian Backo. The Brian. Let's make sure we write that down on our hands. Yeah, now. I know, right? I gotta. So well, we I'm sanitizing yeah. my hands so much it might come off anyways. Yeah, but man. Yeah, Brian Backo tomorrow. Three question Thursday tomorrow. More good football talk tomorrow. So we'll talk the ends in 22 hours. Same time. Mm-hmm. High noon. Okay. And same place. And that's all, folks. <laughs> and that's the way it was. <laughs> I like it, knuckleheads. High noon tomorrow, Yins guys. And as always, you know where to find us on your 24-7 home of the black and gold Steeler Nation Radio.